They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Nobody say the word wow, or else I'll be very sad. Nathan, I'm just sitting here thinking of the time when you watched Scream 4 and were too scared to go to bed afterwards. You had to sleep with the light on and had to lock the door. You had to have Shadow in the room with you, and I could hear you I could hear you whimpering all night long, and I just, I just thought that our listening public should know about that. That story is entirely... Almost, in, like, I'd say 85% fabricated. I just locked, I just locked the door. That was the only part of that story that was true. And I locked the door out of a fear, concern for my dearly beloved brother, more than a concern for my own well-being. Uh-huh, sure. I, I could, I could hear you walking around the house, checking all the doors, checking all the windows, just saying, like, please, Ghostface, don't hurt me. <laughs> wow this was your banter you yep. gave you you had a different idea for banter and your second your fallback idea was just make fun of me <laughs> that's what banter is it's 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 playful ribbing i feel like our banter section is usually just us talking about stuff the stuff that we usually talk about but for the benefit of people who will never meet or who i'll never meet Oh, you'll meet him eventually. I wouldn't worry yourself about that. When we have the Magellan meet and greet. <laughs> oh, Lord. That sounds bad. <laughs> It'll be so fun. Yeah, I don't really have much banter. There was another trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon came out this week. Uh, honestly, I thought Sorry. this trailer was worse than the other one. Dude. I agree 100%. This looked so this one made it look so much more like just generic Martin Scorsese fare. Yeah, which all of the review like none of the reviews describe it as that. I I feel like maybe they're trying to I I don't understand the marketing cuz surely anyone who's a big enough Martin Scorsese fan to know what a Martin Scorsese movie looks like is going to go to this movie regardless. And no one who's, like, a huge Goodfellas fan and hates every other Scorsese movie, like, I don't think this generic, stinking trailer is going to convince them to go. I, I don't know. It's just silly. I'm still incredibly excited for it. There was more than a few moments in the trailer that I was like, oh, sick. That means they are, like, they are going to show this moment from the book, which was kind of neat. I'm also excited. Uh, we also have, we've got Oppenheimer coming up. Very. Yep. Very anticipated by everyone who everyone with good taste, that is. Dude, I've successfully convinced like five or six of my friends. Like I've shown them the trailer and I've talked about it enough that they are now going to the movie. So I'm out here advocating for cinema. I'm doing the work. I'm waiting for that check from CN. 
Uh, yeah, that might be a long wait, but good job. We got to proselytize our art form. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think that's enough banter. Speaking of, we always segue so beautifully based on whatever the last sentence of our banter was. Uh, speaking of advocating for cinema, we went, we went to the theater, not together. We separately went to the theater and we saw the big splashy new movie and we're, we're going to bring you our thoughts right now. We went to Indiana Jones 5. Elliot, do you want to you wanna maybe break this down for people who don't know what Indiana Jones is? Well, let, let me tell you. Indiana Jones is one of, uh, I think there's a good argument to be made, the most recognizable popular characters in movie history. Yeah. Uh, he starred, he has thus far, before Indy 5, he had starred in four movies about that were very much derived from old adventure serials so buck rogers that kind of thing uh they were directed by steven spielberg starring harrison ford in the title role they were very uh fun swashbuckling adventure movies about this archaeologist with a hat and a whip and a leather jacket and a revolver his look his silhouette is very iconic um is the reason why i bring all that up but going on globe-trotting quests to find ancient archaeological artifacts, most of which, until these last two, had some sort of religious significance. So these are very beloved movies. Uh, why are you why are you giving me that skeptical look? Well, only two had religious significance. Temple of okay. Doom, there was no... I mean, there was the religious... Yeah, but was that... I mean, I guess not... Christian religious, religious yeah, to a what? different community. I guess. Yeah, religious significance just means significant to a religion. Okay, my bad, my bad. Nathan's a fake fan, in case you couldn't tell. Um, but I am a real fan. I love Indiana Jones. These were huge parts of our childhood uh, growing up. We've seen, we've both seen them. Nathan is not, uh, is obviously an actual fan. We've both seen them many, many times. Uh, and... Here we come to the end. Uh, again, we are once again ending the Indiana Jones franchise with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This is a 2023 movie. It's out in theaters right now. Directed by James Mangold, who we both have some affection for, thanks to Logan and Ford v. Ferrari. It follows Indiana Jones on his second uh, last adventure, looking for the Dial of Destiny, which is an artifact built by Archimedes, which purportedly can direct the holder to fissures in time that will take them back in time. So Indiana Jones is trying to get it, to put, in, in, put it in a museum, as he always does. Uh, there's mm -hmm. a former Nazi named Jürgen Voller who's trying to get it to do some other stuff with it. It introduces... Helena Shaw, played by Phoebe Waller's Bridge, or Phoebe Waller Bridge, um, as his new female sidekick. Uh, she also has a sidekick named Teddy. And yeah, it's a pretty simple plot, but there it is for you. This movie is getting decent reviews uh, from fans and from critics, uh, but it is it is not doing very well financially. 
Um, it's, it's, I think the opening box office was something like $60 million. Uh, as we said last time, this movie has a huge budget, so we might be looking at a pretty big flop here, but we don't care about money. Money does not define quality in my opinion and in Nathan's opinion. So let's get into it. Let, I, we have not talked about this movie to each other yet, as we usually do when one of us is seeing a movie for the first time or both of us. We like to keep ourselves in the dark about our respective opinions, and now it's time to let it out. So Nathan, what do you think about this movie as a movie? And if you want, uh, an additional objective could be, what do you think about it as an Indiana Jones fan? Well, I just, you know, like to second what you said. I am a huge Indiana Jones fan. I mostly we watched Raiders and Last Crusade were the two that we watched quite a bit as children. We would play Indiana Jones. I don't know if you remember this, Elliot, but we had a fantastic <laughs> series of games. They were they were movie games. quality. <laughs> they were they were really good. They were better than some of these Indiana Jones movies we've gotten. But yeah, so I've been a huge fan of Indiana Jones just about my whole life. And yeah, to just get into, dive right into it, I think this is a work of staggering mediocrity with so few interesting or fun or engaging ideas that if you handed this script to someone and took out the references to Indiana Jones, you would be run out of Hollywood and never work in the movie business again. I went with some friends and afterwards all of us struggled to come up with words to describe the experience because there's so little here to be excited about or to feel any human emotion about. I'm It's stunning how a movie that is this long, it's like two and a half hours long, could leave me with only like two moments where I had any like meaningful emotional reaction to it. I, so, you know, it's not bad in the way that like Jurassic world dominion was bad and just like objectively, not objectively, but like stupid on so many levels all the time. It's not bad in that way. It's bad in just a, wow, there was not a lot of passion or creativity put into this story, or there's not much of that coming through in the viewing experience, in my opinion. And I'll dive deeper into, you know, why I feel this way about the movie. But um, Elliot, what did you think? What were your uh, thoughts on the film? Um, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think that you put it very well that uh, there was, not a lot of passion in it, and that it was extremely mediocre. Um, I I would disagree with the idea that <laughs> making something bad is uh, disqualifying in in the world of Hollywood. I think that plenty of people <laughs> make bad things and then just keep on coming back for more. Um, uh, if I had to describe this movie in one word, and I I'm sure that you'll agree with this based on what you just said, I would just say joyless. Like, this is just a yeah. joyless, soulless movie. There, There's nothing there to latch on to. Um, I thought that the villain's plan was ridiculous. It was a total tragic waste of Mads Mikkelsen, who is such a great actor and has just been wasted in so many big-budget movies like this. Um, 
I thought that Helena was pretty lame. I, I, uh, I don't know anything about Phoebe Waller-Bridge, so I don't know if she's actually a good actress or something, but she wasn't exactly bringing it here. I thought that Indiana Jones himself, I mean, making Indiana Jones a dep- a suicidally depressed loser is not the direction I would have taken for this character. I have to admit, I probably would have gone in a different direction. And ultimately... I am usually fairly skeptical when people say, like, when, you know, I just said, you know, oh, dang, that is so disappointing. So That's really in this movie. I know it was early. But when fanboys sniff and look down their nose at something and say, why did this story need to be told? I'm usually fairly dismissive of that because I'm like, okay, it, it, you could say that about literally any piece of art. Like, there's no, there's no strictly necessary motivation behind any kind of art. But this is one of those few examples where I honestly am just like, this This story should not have been told. Like, there was no way to make this good for reasons that I'll get into later, but the principal one being that Harrison Ford is just too old to be playing this kind of character anymore. So it, it just... the The reason that we go to Indiana Jones movies is just undercut by the things that this movie is built on. Like, the things that make Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones cannot survive in this movie. And I think that's why it's so disappointing and so just flat and empty. So, uh, yeah, it looks like we're both pretty disappointed. Um, let's, Let's get started then. Let's start... Let's sharpen our knives and wet our wet our lips and let's start taking it apart. Um, I'd like to take it apart. I'd like to begin with the character of Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, I, I, I am baffled as to why they thought that this was a good direction for the character. Like Indiana Jones as a character is beloved for his recognizable arsenal, his whip and his revolver, his recognizable wardrobe, yes, but also he's iconic for being so charismatic and creative and funny and a a bit of a ladies' man. He's like a better James Bond, uh, to me at least. Um, Wow. But there's just nothing... that All of that has just been stripped out of the character. Like, He's, he's just kind of sad, and he doesn't seem to really want to be there. And Indiana Jones is always having so much fun in his movies, uh, except for when he's being tortured or something. But he's, he's always passionate about what he's doing and fighting Nazis and uh, taking things that don't necessarily belong to him. But making him this sort of down-on-his-luck depressed old man i just uh, why why would why did they think that that was the way the character should go and it's not like he even it even facilitates like a triumphant return to form if they had made it so that he sort of gets over that and gets back into being indiana jones i think i might have i might have been okay with initially portraying him this way but he just never moves anywhere so yeah, I thought that that was a really, I thought that that was absolutely the wrong way to take this character. Yeah, and I think kind of what you were saying there at the end, it would be fine if 
this sadder, more kind of realistic, I guess, I think this is, you know, if your son went to Vietnam and died and then you had a tough divorce with a woman you loved, I think you would be a fairly bummed out person. The issue is they then try to shove this older, sadder Indiana Jones into a classic Indiana Jones story. And it doesn't work because you're just constantly feeling this dissonance between the fun excitement of, right, an adventure story and a guy who's constantly bringing up the fact that he's divorced. And, the you know, it's like when you go out for a fun night on the town and you've got that one buddy who just had a breakup and is constantly bringing up his ex just it just brings the whole thing down. No one's having any, having any fun. It's awful. <laughs> Elliot, you can relate to that story, right? Sure, whatever. <laughs> but I think that's the issue is this sadder version of Indiana Jones is not fun, and that would be fine if then the movie were more interested in diving into what that looks like, but it's not. Like, it sets these things up, and it has a very, in my opinion, half-baked kind of ending of Marion just comes back and forgives him because reasons. And so it's, you know, it's just such a, it feel, it, it honestly felt like a script that was written in the 80s for an Indiana Jones movie that they waited until now to make it and they just shoved in a bunch of stuff because Harrison Ford is now, you know, in his 80s without changing, like, the stuff, the movie, like, the rest of the stuff that was in the movie. Because the ending felt really tacked on and, like, just a very last second, like, oh, here's your happy ending for Indiana Jones. But it doesn't feel like the movie earns it or is even really building up to that ending in any meaningful way. So, yeah, I think this movie was a complete um, a complete misfire just in terms of Indiana Jones as a character and Indiana Jones like as a movie. Uh, yeah, OK, I guess we're going spoiler town. Uh, so you didn't know <laughs> oh, that now you do. But uh, if you don't want to learn about anything else, I would say that we... From here on out, uh, it's weapons-free on spoilers. If you want just our general opinion, it's that this movie's pretty bad for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, I think that that's very well put. I think that they ju- that they told an Indiana Jones story without a proper understanding of the version of the character that they were writing. And I think that a big part of that was is probably down to just how many reshoots and re-edits this movie has gone through. This movie has had, if you didn't know, a very troubled production cycle. There have been pretty pretty disastrous test screenings that have inspired fairly, what I'm given to understand, are fairly substantial reshoots. And I think that you, I think there are moments where you can tell, like, this has been, this has been cut up and sort of moved around and people have inserted things very haphazardly. Um, there's one prime example of that that I don't want to get into yet, but it's about the villain's plan and the mechanics of the artifact that they're looking for. But for now, I think that's that's very well put. Um, that this is just this is just an Indiana Jones story without the Indiana Jones that we need. Um, it's yeah. the Indiana Jones that we need and the one that we deserve right now. Quite frankly, amen, amen. <laughs> 
So uh, let's let's move on from Indiana Jones. Let's give him a rest for a minute because he's obviously very tired. And let's talk about the other characters. What did you think about Helena? I'm curious to hear what you thought about the portrayal by Phoebe Waller-Bridge because obviously you have some fondness for her from Fleabag that you talked about in our end of year episode. I have no connection to her and I thought this character was a real nothing burger. A lot of people seem to really hate her. Uh, there are I can certainly speculate as to why she has gotten the lion's share of disapproval from a certain sect of people, but I won't get into that now. I thought that she was just, there was just not a lot to her. Like, they seem to want to make some kind of character arc for her where she's just in it for the money initially and then learns about, learns to respect the past or something like that. But I think that it was all very half-baked because we never really got a sense of what it would take to divert her path onto the path of the righteous man or the righteous woman. Uh, It never seemed like there was going to be a, it was going to be a huge sacrifice that she would have to really work to, to pursue artifacts for the study of history or ancient cultures or whatever. Like if we had a better sense of her desperation to get out of some kind of nebulous debt that she was in, I feel like it might have worked a little bit better, but we don't really understand her motivations or the depth of her motivations, so then we don't really feel that much when she eventually kind of has a change of heart. I mean, it's not like she has the opportunity to take the dial and make money and she demurs. She just decides that she cares about Indiana Jones or something. It's very muddled. But uh, yeah, what do you think? I I think you said it exactly. She's a real nothing burger. I think it's unfortunate. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like Elliot mentioned, I'm very fond of her. I think she's incredible in Fleabag. She really carries a very good show regardless, but she is the beating heart of that show. And she has an incredible amount of charisma. She's very funny. I've seen interviews with her. She's very, you know, she's a very talented woman. And none of that is really coming through in this movie. I mean, the really the only scene where you can kind of see some of the Phoebe charm sort of is when, uh, I want to say it was... Oh, I'm going to get it wrong. But the the mobster who's like in love with her shows up. Just the scene of them fighting. You can see some of like her jokiness and her. There was a few jokes in there. I can't remember them specifically. But there was a few jokes where I was like, that's a classic like Phoebe Waller's bridge sort of joke. But for the most part, yeah, she's very nothing. And even you know, to expand past just her into all of the side characters, none of them really have that much that's exciting or interesting about them. If you compare them with the side characters in previous Indiana Jones movies, and I'm going to go to, you know, my two favorites. If you go to Marcus in Last Crusade, he's kind of funny because he's very incompetent. He's very dumb, but he manages to kind of fumble his way through the adventure with Indiana and other people. Sean Connery as Indiana's dad in Last Crusade is 
incredible and has so much more chemistry with Harrison Ford than Phoebe does. It's just astonishing that, you know, it's, there's just so little interesting or engaging about any of these side characters. I mean, Teddy feet or Helena, the CIA woman. And I mean, I will say this, the goons Good goons. This movie has good goons. It understands that a good goon is recognizably difficult to beat. That huge, the like giant one. Great. Fantastic. We need more movies with just a giant goon so that through the whole movie, we're like, oh, this guy's going to get killed. But how's how's he going to get killed to diss this movie? He dies really lamely, which is disappointing. Like he doesn't even make it to the climax. And then, you know, the other goon is good because he's He's ruthless, he's cutthroat, right? He's constantly shooting people he's not supposed to be shooting until he eventually shoots the person who's telling him to not shoot people. So, you know, good goons, just because they're, you know, goons don't have to be very... I'm trying to see how many times I can say goon before it stops sounding like a word. You're doing pretty well. (laughs) Thank you. But then Mads Mikkelsen, too, as the villain, really not great. And I was thinking about this as well. In every Indiana Jones movie, there's one just like generic Nazi or communist or like just generic supporter villain, right? Who's just in it because they support the evil ideology of the villains. But that's usually not the primary villain of the film. If you think of Raiders, right, there's the German general, but then there's also Belloc, who's kind of the primary villain. And he's in it for a slightly more interesting reason that he's an archaeologist just like Indiana Jones, but he's a bit more selfish. He's more in it for himself. Raiders of the Lost Ark has a similar thing, right? There's a Nazi who's one of the villains, but then there's also, I'm forgetting his name. Donovan. Donovan. Yes, thank you. Donovan is kind of the final primary adversary Mads Mikkelsen is that generic Nazi one, and there's no other. Like, there's no secondary antagonist that we get to. It's just Mads Mikkelsen, and those ones only work because there's a more interesting guy behind them. And so just having a generic Nazi sympathizer, or just a straight-up Nazi, as it's shown at the end, um, is not really a fantastic villain. And Mads isn't given enough to kind of make anything. So all all of the side characters, I feel like, are very nothing burgers, like you said, beyond just Helena Shaw. I mean, they're all just nothing to write home about. Uh, Yeah, I agree. I was not very impressed with Helena, as I already said. I thought that Teddy was a total misfired, misfired attempt to recreate Short Round. And uh, I actually rewatched all of the Indiana Jones movies bar Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in preparation for this. And it had been the first time in a long time since I had seen Temple of Doom. And I was actually surprised at how charming and likable Short Round was as a character for having relatively little screen time and uh, development. But that's just, that just does not happen with Teddy. Like he, like his uh, mistress, is just a total nothing burger. Like there's nothing interesting about him. He's not particularly funny. He's just a generic kid who's, a generic street smart kid who steals things and can fly a plane somehow. And then yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, 
Jurgen Voller was just there's there's just nothing about him that was at all intimidating or cool or uh, very. I mean, you knew exactly what he was going to do. That sometimes uh, he was so, just predictable, and he had no real chemistry with Indiana Jones. Like some of the other, like the other villains, they had they had a connection to Indy, and he sort of had one in that he somehow survived getting smashed in the face by a metal pipe at like at least sixty miles an hour. Don't know how, uh, but it doesn't matter. Um, but that never really comes into play. He's just sort of a he's just a really generically hateable bad guy, bad guy. Um, and also, I have to talk about his plan and the and the dial because there's so much wrong that's just tied up in these two elements. So first of all, if you didn't know, Jurgen Voller's plan is to go back in time to 1939, kill Hitler, and replace him as the leader of Nazi Germany, and with his knowledge of history, change past events so that Germany wins the war. But, what? I, so, there are two options for this plan. Either he's planning on impersonating Hitler, like putting on a fake mustache and pretending to be Hitler, which is preposterous. Or he thinks that instead of being arrested for treason and murder, the Nazis are going to be like, well, he killed Hitler. I guess he's in charge now. Why does he think that's going to be the case? Uh, So his plan is just stupid. Like, I have no idea how that's supposed to work. But also... It is so confusing how the dial, the dial allegedly directs you to fissures in time that will take you back in time. Now, Ryan, my younger brother, our younger brother, said that Voller had a line which said, wherein he said, he pointed out a dial or some kind of, something on the dial that indicated the time you were going to be going back to. I don't remember that. Uh, Nathan, judging by his raised eyebrows, does not remember it either. So I'm, th- I think, and nobody else I've talked to has. So I think Ryan may have just misremembered that. In which case, I'm really confused as to why he thinks he's going back to 1939. Why he thinks he can control that? Because the the thing is, they go back in time, and they actually go back to Archimedes' time in the siege of Syracuse by the Romans. And Indy seems to imply that that's because he hasn't taken into account continental drift. Yet the coordinates that Voller has inputted are based on outdated information. But then, when they're at when they're at Syracuse and they're talking, Helena says that it's a stacked deck that it will only ever take you to. Um, Archimedes' time, and that the reason he had invented it is to sort of, like, send it into the future, and then someone would find it and come back and help him defeat the Romans. That doesn't make sense. I have no idea what the what on earth she's talking about. But why did Voller think that he was going to 1939? What, what was he... I, and also, did they go back to see the Siege of Syracuse because that's where they're always going to end up? Or because that 
or because of the continental drift thing. So what, what, why, what's going on? I was so, I'm so baffled about that. And I still don't really understand. Um, and yeah, that, that whole thing was just ridiculous. Like it just looked stupid. This giant plane flying over Roman triems or triems. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And also one more thing those Romans were really good at shooting something out of the sky that was moving faster than anything they would have encountered. Like, they they were incredible shots. But, yeah, I, that whole thing was just preposterous. Yeah, and I guess to kind of move in a sort of a different direction, because I agree that was preposterous, but that was also the only part of the movie where I felt like any amount of imagination or creativity was put into the story. Like that was silly, but at the very least it was a big swing. Right. Which I kind of feel the same way about, right. The real life aliens showing up at the end of kingdom of the crystal skull, that it's stupid, but at the very least you're going for something like at the very least you're taking a bit of a risk. You're, doing something that's maybe a bit preposterous, but I can think of a lot of movies that I like quite a bit that have very preposterous late game twists or late game ideas that as soon as you run with them, you have a lot of fun with them. I'm not going to say them because that would spoil the twist. And I, I think all of them operate on a level that it's more fun when you don't know what's going to happen. But I think this ending sort of section where they do travel all the way back to the battle of Syracuse represents kind of my issue with the movie. Like it's the only interesting or slightly cool scene in almost the entire film. I'd say the only other scene that I thought was kind of neat was them scuba diving down to get the ship. And then there's all these eels and then there's a, a very genuinely sort of frightening thing when the one guy's tube gets cut and he, you know, drowns. I, that scene was pretty okay. But then every other action scene or fight scene is so generic with so nothing exciting about it. I mean, there's two chase scenes in the movie. I'm pretty sure there's one in New York and then one in um, Morocco, some city in Morocco that I can't remember the name of. And both of the chase scenes ultimately boil down to just a generic chase. Like it's a person chasing another person and that's it. And I mean, this that is so unexciting. It's not filmed in a cool way. There's no like sick long takes that you're like, well, how'd they film that? It's all like the exact same chase sequence that you've seen in so many other movies. And I was talking to our father about this comparing it to again last crusade my favorite indiana jones movie if you think of the chase scenes in that movie you've got a boat chase that ends in very dramatic fashion with them on the boat and the turbine cutting them up you've got a chase scene where indy and his dad escape the castle that's kind of multi-layered that's got like a couple moments and is incredibly funny as well the opening is very funny and then the actual chase is pretty good and then you've got a chase scene where Indy's on a horse trying to get his dad in a tank. I mean, incredibly exciting, well done, well shot. But I just, I want to highlight how 
the idea of the chases are already interesting, right? A guy on a horse trying to get people in a tank, interesting. That's an interesting, clever, exciting sort of premise. Three people in a tuk-tuk chasing after two cars or chasing after a car and being chased by a car is not an exciting chase idea, is not just in the genesis of the idea, not exciting. And there's nothing in the way it's filmed or done in the movie to make that already not very exciting premise more exciting. And that's almost the entire movie is devoid of any sequences that have that classic Indiana Jones excitement and charm. And I think probably a part of that is your main character is way too old to do anything all that difficult. Uh, yeah, I think you've hit the nail right on the head there. Um, and that's that's get back that gets back to my whole idea of this movie. There was really no good way to make this movie because Indiana Jones can't do. He's physically incapable of doing the things that Indiana Jones is supposed to do. Um, he can't do the stunts and you can't have, it's not like you can just switch out Harrison Ford for a stunt double. And suddenly the idea of an 80 year old man, like, I don't know, jumping from car to car makes sense. It's still ridiculous. Um, and I think that you made such a good point about how they keep the set pieces interesting in the old movies that there's always, they're always adding new wrinkles in, um, like there's new obstacles, new dangers that they need to be aware of, that they need to sort of work around. Uh, there's new people coming in who are new threats. Uh, and there's always just something, there's always something interesting going on. Uh, whereas in this movie, the chase scenes are just, the only th thing that they have to worry about is crashing into something, which never really comes up, or being shot, uh, which is never really much of a problem. Um, until Indiana Jones gets shot in the shoulder and then, he goes a long time without getting medical attention for an 80-something-year-old man. But, uh, yeah, I, I I thought that the chase scenes were very flat and very lame. Um, and also, the idea, just the idea of a love-struck, but also love-spurned gangster chasing after the woman he wants to be with is such a goofy, stupid idea. And he keeps on being like, Elena, I love you, and keeping his men from shooting at them. So I was just like, why is this guy even here? What does he add to any of this? Like, he, the only thing he does is he adds a few more disposable goons to be, uh, to be taken out and worked around. But it's not like they're, it's not like they're climbing all over the truck, like in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, and it's not like they're, really posing that much of a threat. So those things all felt very, oh, what's the word? Compulsory. They felt like the, the filmmakers just shoved them in there without having any real understanding of how they worked in the, or the purpose that they served in the old movies. And I think another good example of that is when, they're randomly accosted by a swarm of bugs in the cave of Dionysius. Like they, it seemed like the filmmakers knew that there's usually a part with lots of creepy animals in the, in Indiana Jones movies, like with the snakes, uh, in, um, Raiders or, uh, the rats in last crusade or the bugs in temple of doom. But those all, 
I mean, they were exaggerated. Like, obviously, there wouldn't be that many of any of these animals in one place in one time. And if we're being brutally honest, the snakes would have just starved to death in the tomb in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it made some kind of sense that they were there. Whereas in this movie, there were just insects out of nowhere. They just started crawling out of the walls, and then they ran away, and that was it. So it just felt like a very, like it was, they had just ticked a box. Like they had just been like, we need to have something with a bunch of animals that people don't generally like interacting with. Bugs in a cave, five seconds, box ticked, let's let's move on to the supernatural finale. Um, and that was yeah. just, that was just that that's lame. That's lame, guys. Uh, there needs to be more than that. And on the subject of the supernatural finale, I always thought that, well, ever since I was old enough to have sophisticated thoughts like this, I have thought that there was something. I appreciated that the villains in these movies always met their end because they didn't understand or respect the treasure that they were searching for enough. Like, Belloc didn't respect the the Ark. Uh, Donovan didn't really understand what Jesus was all about or the kind of yeah. cup he would be drinking out of. Um, Mola Ram just wanted to use the Sankara Stones for his own good. The Soviet lady whose name I've forgotten... I can't even remember why she wanted the skull, actually. <laughs> well, she wanted it for knowledge, and she ends up getting all the knowledge and dying because it's too much knowledge for a human to have. Well, yeah, She's it's fine. And that's all That's all very, it's not very poetic, but it, it's, a, it's a nice sentiment. And that, you know, I said, you know, again, Voller only dies because of the artifact in this movie in a very indirect way. Like, he just gets shot down by the Romans, and I thought that that was... That was, that was just so lame. Again, there's so much about this movie that's just lame and falls so very flat because the filmmakers don't seem to... The filmmakers seem to have a very superficial understanding of what made Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones. So I thought that was another thing that was a real disappointment. And also, like I said, kind of dumb because, good lord, those Romans were good shots. Yeah. I, I think that's the fundamental issue with the movie. And I think it's what we've been talking about this whole time. The movie fails to understand what made Indiana Jones exciting. And it's trying to kind of have its cake and eat it too. It wants a classic globe trotting Indiana Jones adventure, but it also kind of wants to be this more somber reflection on, you know, a guy in his twilight years coming to terms with some of the, bad things that have happened in his life. And it can't like the, you know, those two things don't go together. Those, <laughs> that is not a genre mashup that works. Mm -hmm. It's not like country Western music. Those fit beautifully. <laughs> Great Phineas and Ferb reference. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't really have a ton else to say. I feel like I've pretty much said everything I want to say again it's not as and this is going to be reflected in my score it's not as bad as Jurassic World Dominion just as another kind of legacy film that is just incredibly bad but it's not it's only better than that because it's slightly more competently made like it's not better because it's got some incredible thing it's just not as obviously falling apart at the seams. But this is still, you know, I, 
I'd hesitate to blame James Mangold for this, not just because I like him, so I want to assume that he's a good director, (laughs) but also because, you know, as soon as the movie ended, there were four screenwriters on this. That's never a good sign. There were three separate editors. That's never a good, like, the more people you have working in jobs that should really just be, like, one or two people, the more likely your movie is just going to be a huge stinking mess. Because it should really be one person's kind of vision. And, you know, if you edit one scene a certain way and your buddy edits another scene in a different way and there's no communication of like, hey, this is the idea for the movie, it's just going to be a huge mess. So I think this movie just unfortunately ended up a huge mess. Uh, Yeah, I want to hit some technical aspects. Uh, I'll try to be quick before we move on. Um, I think that the cinematography was fine. Uh, it, there wasn't really anything special about it. Nothing really popped in the way that some of the shots of like racing really popped in Ford v. Ferrari or some of the action scenes were filmed in Logan. So I don't know what was going on there. I, I think that he was working with different cinematographers, Mangled was, on all these different films. Um, so I, they did what they could, I suppose. The music, I thought, was surprisingly not very good. Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, I don't think that in, that John Williams has ever made a bad score, but it, like the rest of the movie, felt pretty generic and flat. There weren't any really cool, recognizable themes for the villains like they had, or the artifact like they had in the first movies, like... The, the arc had a distinct, recognizable musical motif. The Nazis had a m- musical motif that they actually reference in the beginning of this movie uh, when they're showing the Nazis looting the unnamed museum. Um, mm-hmm. But that actually takes me into my other point, which is that the CGI is very bad. Very bad. Uh, yeah. and this, I'm assuming, is down to how often... And how many times this movie was reshot and re-edited. That the VFX people were having to do a lot of work and very little time. And they kept on having to work over the things that they had already done. And VFX workers are already, if you didn't know, overworked and underpaid. So it's generally kind of a miracle when their stuff comes out looking at all decent uh, through no fault of their own. Uh, But especially the digital de-aging on Harrison Ford... Can I just say, please let the trend of digitally de-aging actors die already because I hate it. It has never looked good. It has always looked stupid or creepy. And in this case, it looked both. It reminded me of the terrifying flesh mannequins from the Polar Express. That's what Indiana Jones looked like in the beginning of this movie to me. So I really hope, just stop, just recast people for pity's sake or just don't have a stupid overblown opening that does nothing for nobody. Um, yeah, that's that's probably the last thing that I was really annoyed about. Yeah, I would agree. There was, uh, I didn't think the de-aging was that bad, but I do know that in 10 years, the de-aging is not going to look good. And even now, it looks like a really good video game, but then everyone else looks like real human people, which they are. So he looks worse because he's not a real human person. He's, you know, another person's face CGI'd on a person's face. So, yeah, the CGI is sketch. I agree with about the music. The cinematography is a real nothing. No, 
I, I, I'm ready to do ratings if you're ready to do ratings. Go for it. All right, good deal. I'm going to, you know, I don't have much else to say. It's an incredibly mediocre movie. It is made competently in the sense that everything is in focus and the ed- like there's no blatant editing gaffes, but there's just no heart. There's no excitement. There's no fun. I can't imagine ever really rewatching this movie unless I was forced into an Indiana Jones marathon. And even then I'd be kind of disgruntled if they included <laughs> this one in that marathon. Uh, so I'm going to give it a, like a 4.5 out of 10 for me. So, yeah, I, I also don't have much to add. This was a, a very not good movie. Uh, it was joyless. It was completely joyless. I had no fun with this movie, um, but it's not like other no fun movies that are interesting or depressing in a fun way. Um, I was, I just thought all of the, pretty much all of the decisions they made in terms of where they took the characters and how they set up their story, I felt like were the wrong uh, decisions. I feel like this was a copy of a copy of a copy of a movie that they didn't really understand the um, the roots of this franchise, or really that it they didn't have a very complex understanding of the franchise itself, which led to it feeling very box-ticky. Um, yeah, there was just nothing that was at all very good about this movie. If I were to be objective, I would say it probably warrants something like a C-, minus. but because I'm such a big Indiana Jones fan and because I was so let down by this movie and because I feel like the idea of this movie of making another one was just so flawed. I'm going to give it a D. I think, I think that's really fair. I definitely agree with that. Well, fortunately now we get to talk about some movies that we do like, we're going to do some recommendations. Elliot already gave me his recommendation. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction than Elliot. Um, And it's actually another James Mangold movie, I'm going to recommend Logan for if you're looking for a really respectful, amazing send-off for a classic character that understands what's interesting about the character, understands how to make... Honestly, I think Logan is a really good pairing, too, of like very sad, depressing sort of moments, but still a very good, action-packed, well-done movie. I mean, the action scene in this are so good. X-23, the kind of little girl that's with Logan throughout the film, is so good. The fights are brutal, amazing. We saw this in theaters. I loved it. I mean, I'm sure if you've been around the internet any amount of time, you've seen someone recommend this because it's kind of the classic one. But I think if you really wanted a good respectful, amazing send-off for a character that has just been in the cultural zeitgeist for decades. I think Logan is fantastic. And if you don't think James Mangold can make a good movie, please watch Logan and see that you are very wrong. Yeah, that is, that's an interesting recommendation. I think I already did that for The Dark Knight, but we we try not to get too... too upset about that kind of thing that's a great movie that's a fantastic movie and it is proof uh we were in the lead up to this movie we've been talking about will 
James Mangold be able to pull off a hat trick with Logan, Ford v. Ferrari, and this. Uh, unfortunately, his streak is broken, but it's okay. I still I still like him as a director. <clears throat> and I'm and I do think that there that this movie's faults are probably not his, at least not majority. Like you said, I went with a more traditional recommendation. My recommendation is The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, this is an older movie. It's black and white. stars Humphrey Bogart. Um, and it's about a group of miners and adventurers and some people who are trying to get rich by looking for gold along the Sierra Madre. So this is kind of more in line with the Indiana Jones story of seeking fame and fortune and then people getting too caught up in that and not uh, their obsession ending up being their downfall because there's introdu- they introduce other antagonistic gangs that are also looking for the money um it's a it's very well shot it's very well done it's a fun adventure kind of movie um watched it a while ago but i remember really enjoying it Uh, if you didn't know the we don't need no stinking insert thing here that uh quote or that rendition of that quote comes from this movie i believe it is we don't need no stinking papers or something like that badges Uh, Badges? Yes, because they they say, they ask, like, are you deputies or something? Where are your badges? So if you watch this movie, uh, you can be all pretentious and say, actually, this, that line comes from X movie, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's a simple, unpretentious, fun movie that I think is very much in line with the uh, kind of, not necessarily the style of Indiana Jones, but definitely the mo of indiana jones of looking for treasure and that treasure proving to be fairly dangerous um so yeah give it a look see uh before nathan endorses or disavows that uh recommendation i feel like i should mention that life is hard and full of disappointments just make sure that we all know that you know ever since that one episode where you forgot to say it i feel like you've really been very purposeful about getting it in as soon as possible in our outro so that you don't get caught up in whatever we banter about before we sign off and forget it. very perceptive. Yeah, I am going to endorse that movie. That is a classic Humphrey Bogart. I also want to say, and this could be incredibly wrong, but I want to say Indiana Jones' look is partially based off of Humphrey Bogart's look in this movie because he's wearing a similar sort of hat and a similar jacket for parts of it, I want to say. So, yes, I would endorse that. It's a classic film. You can for sure increase your pretentious cinephile cred by watching that. Yeah, I actually have to agree with Elliot that life is hard and full of disappointments. This movie in particular made my life hard and full of disappointment. Well, speaking of hard disappointments, uh, I guess we should keep on plugging the blog. Uh, There's some new stuff up on it this week. Uh, Oh, shoot, new stuff? I gotta check I reviewed Independence Day, the movie, in honor of the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, everyone, by the way. So yeah, that's on yep. there. There's some there's some stuff that I think is kind of interesting about paradigms, or maybe you'll just find it boring. I thought it was interesting, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the blog is absolutely blowing up. It's got hundreds of thousands of views. It's got tens of thousands Whoa. of comments. I don't think it's, exa- it's an exaggeration to say that if you want to be part of the ongoing film discourse, you have to be on this blog. You have to. This is a 
intrinsic part of that discussion. So make sure you're with the cool crowd and you give it a look. Absolutely. Yep. Be sure. Don't be left out. Don't have that FOMO that -hmm. you'll have in a month if you don't jump on this bandwagon right now, for sure. Um, Otherwise, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another new review, hopefully for a better movie than this. Hopefully for a movie we can be a bit more excited about. But we hope you enjoyed this, and we'll see you next week.